Hello and welcome to Sound and Image Lab, the Dolby Institute podcast. This is a show about how artists use technology to tell story, and I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. So yesterday, the Academy Award nominations came out, which means we are officially in Oscar season. And if you've been following along, you know that there have been some rule changes this year. In the past, we've had two different Academy Award categories that were focused on sound, one on best sound editing and another on sound mixing. But this year, those have been merged into one category that's gonna be called best sound. So what does that mean exactly? And what should Oscar voters and fans at home be listening for when it comes time to cast your votes? Well, today I am joined by the governors of the sound branch of the Motion Picture Academy to discuss all this and more, including all the controversy around the recent rule changes. I'm joined by Terry Dorman. She's the legendary sound and dialogue editor who's worked on movies including La La Land, Pirates of the Caribbean, and The Deer Hunter. Also by Kevin Collier, the Vice President of Engineering and Technology for Warner Brothers Studio Facilities, and Scott Milan. He is the four-time Academy Award-winning mixer whose work you've heard in movies like Apollo 13, Gladiator, Ray, and The Bourne Ultimatum. These are some giants in the field, so take note. This conversation may be invaluable to you when it's time to fill out your Oscar ballot. Let's jump in. All right, Kevin, Terry, and Scott, welcome to the Sound and Image Lab, the Dolby Institute podcast. I'm really thrilled to be in conversation with the uh, the governors from the Sound Branch. We're, we're very honored that you guys would make the time to, to come in and talk to us. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of the organization of the Academy. So the, the Academy is organized into, into branches. And for uh, to a large degree, that kind of follows the 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 award categories so there's the director's branch and the writer's mm -hmm. branch and the actor's branch um but you guys are the governors of the sound branch so tell us a little bit about like who is in the sound branch and how does one you know obviously it's it's a there's a whole process of an invitation to become a member <laughs> but who who gets that kind of coveted invitation to join the sound branch well we have um, strict rules about, you know, how many years of experience you have. Basically, the sound branch is made up of of sound editorial sound people, sound editors, um, re-recording mixers, production mixers, engineers, uh, sound department heads. Uh, there are there are some foley walkers and foley um, foley foley mixers as well um there's i think the number now is a, is about 550 members um which is it's grown in the last few years because the academy um reached out to diversify and to bring in new members um when i first joined there were about 300 300 i believe and that's grown since then I'd say that the, the vast majority of the members are either mixers or editors. Uh, and if you look at the history of the Academy, um, in the early days, the sound director was actually eligible to win the Academy Award. And so sound directors management were included in uh, the sound branch because of that. And then, uh, 
that stayed in force actually until 1969. And then they started recognizing the individual mixers. And engineers, as an offshoot of the uh, sort of sound director, became eligible. And, and we have a number of other uh, members, as Terry's cited, like Foley Walkers. And we've got some mixed techs. I think there's a general uh, awareness that as time goes on, we want to include more people that are integral to our craft. And, and so I've seen that, you know, those, those sort of barriers have been broken down over the last few years. It's interesting because when you talk to, to, you know, junior high, high school students about the movie business, I think they immediately think of, you know, directors and writers and actors, and they just, they don't know that, that you can actually make a living doing other parts of the process like we do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I get so much pleasure out of doing like a lecture for those high school students or college students who are sort of on the brink of deciding what they want to do with their lives. And just to say, look, you know, I've had an incredible career. It's, it's terrific. When I got out here, I had no idea what sound was and falling into it. It's been, it's been an amazing career. So. I think it's especially hard because it's, it's an invisible art form. It's not tangible. You can't point to it necessarily, uh, you know, people at home or in college, they might know, of course, what an actor does or a hairstylist or makeup hairstylist or, or um, an actor there in front of the camera it's kind of tangible you know what it is you know the things that we're doing are kind of an invisible thing and they should be invisible you know it's a it's a an art form that uh people should uh you know feel rather than really you know tangibly see it obviously so we have additional challenges i think in regards to explaining what it is we do to young younger uh, audiences or uh, students that might be interested in getting into the industry um, you have to be there. You have to see it. You have to witness it. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, when I go and when I go and teach or I give talks, the thing that makes everybody's eyes light up is when I show them the AB from the original production tracks to the final mix. And then they sort of start to understand how much work goes into, into the final track for the film. Scott, I wanted to follow up on something that you brought up a minute ago, which is I think one of the major mm -hmm one of the major decisions that that you as a as a team had to deal with recently and of course the big news is is the uh change in the categories for the academy awards this year for sound mm -hmm. so so previously for many years we've had two academy awards in the sound category we've the, the names have changed a little bit from time to time but it was basically best sound editing and best sound mixing um, and then uh, the decision uh, was sort of looked at and discussed for quite some time and was made this year to combine those into one into one category. So I'd just like to open it up to to the group of you to kind of walk us through sort of why was that decision made and and how did that come about? Well, it wasn't it was years in <laughs> because this has been a subject for as long as I've been on the executive committee or involved in any committee is this discussion of, of combining the award. Um, the timing was right, just in a general statement. Um, it, up until about 15 years ago, I think it was 
15 or 16 years ago, we had um, sound editing was a special achievement award. Mm -hmm. It was limited to three, three uh, films and it was not every year. It was a special achievement. So it had to be decided. There were years when, when there was no award whatsoever given to sound editing. And since uh, we did a whole lot of research, we sent out, a lot of letters to the entire branch because we wanted to get the most impact uh, input by the members that we possibly could. This is not, this was not us doing it. This was not the Academy doing it. It was a combined effort from the sound branch that everybody, you know, came to the same consensus. It was time. There were too many, um, too many years where the same, person was nominated for re-recording and sound editorial the the jobs were blending so i think that technology changes had helped to shift it that way too glenn i think mm -hmm. you know there's uh everything we do now is in pro tools and uh it has definitely changed the landscape over time and and pushed the two disciplines together they're still very distinct in that they do separate parts of the process. And um, we don't in any way want to diminish those two parts because they're very important and they remain separate things. But the technology has blurred the lines between them so much that we felt like it was a fair thing to bring it all together and to honor everybody that was involved in it rather than potentially taking the two award categories and splitting them between two separate films. And, you know, I, I've personally witnessed where I was on a project where, uh, you know, mixing and editorial were both nominated. And I can tell you um, that, you know, we share this, this work intimately, but it was, you know, unfortunate there were times where, um, you know, one would win and the other didn't. And I can say, you know, on my own behalf, the you know, the years where um, I was fortunate enough to win and the editorial didn't, um, it was a hollow uh, sensibility because I know I couldn't have done, the outcome of the film wouldn't have sounded the same without what was contributed to by, uh, by the editorial process. So, you know, our I think, you know, as Kevin was discussing, we're, we've been forced closer and closer to one another, you know, in a way that we reply, uh, we, we, we are totally relying on each other in a way that, you, you know, it's, it's almost a uh, disservice uh, if we don't acknowledge that. Well, and I, I think it, it, it should be noted too, that the part of the decision was not eliminating statues. That's uh, correct. It's it's still the same number of folks being recognized and the same creative disciplines being recognized. It's just not two separate awards. So uh, maybe just refresh our memory. So uh, who's eligible to to take home that that statue for for now for best sound? Well, the, the production recordist, production mixer, um, as many as three re-recording mixers, if there should be three on the film, um, sound editorial supervisor and a co-supervisor if there are two, uh, production mixer image. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Right? So, that's correct. Yeah. So potentially six people. So the correct. same same six as before, but just one combined award, right? Correct. Right. So statistically, you've seen also that the um, because the one person occasionally will do more and more actually will do the re-recording, uh, re-recording mixing and sound editorial and be the same person. So chances are it won't be six, but we have the option of, of giving it, giving out six, um, which is no different. And the idea was to unify us as a branch um, because we're all interdependent on each other. We're, there's no one person responsible for the soundtrack. Um, I can't do my work without a production mixer. And, you know, and it, it follows through the line. You know, everybody is contributing their part of it. So we thought, and and the consensus from from the responses to the letters that we sent out was that this would strengthen us as a branch. We did well, poll the branch several times. So we took this responsibility very, very uh, seriously. And, and we tried to really engage the branch because it's not, again, and, and I don't remember whether Terry or Scott said this, but it's not our will, but it's the will of the branch that we want to execute for. Well, you make it sound so reasonable and logical. Was this was this a controversial move at all? What were some of the what were some of the arguments against combining the two uh, awards? There are people. There was an old school um, thought process that was very possessive of positions, and I think once you sort of realize that this is not to hurt anybody it was just it was to strengthen us and it was not dictated to us i think that's what happened but there there were people that have been in the industry really long time some that have not um necessarily embraced the technology changes changes embrace the changes or the cross um stepping say you know in within the sound branch you know crossing <laughs> editorial and mixing um so there was some of that 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 came up but overall i think the consensus was high we had you know a strong backing of, of our branch so, we didn't take that for granted though either when we the three of us decided to bring the subject matter up to our executive committee uh, we didn't know because, as Terry said, in the past, not that long ago, it was a very polarizing discussion. Uh, people were very protective of their own domain. Um, but I think, you know, uh, I think, you know, it happened to be the right time in the right place. And the discussion was welcomed and uh, people were willing to listen. There wasn't a um, uh, necessity of um, uh, defending uh, why or how people are witnessing us change and are we're willing to um, discuss it seriously. Well, I, I wonder too, you know, as, as somebody who's been in the sound business, you know, for a long time, I, you know, I can't tell you how, how many conversations I had where I had, you know, I was asked to explain to people what's, <laughs> what's the difference between the two. And then, you know, the, the heartbreaking thing for me, and I'm sure you had the same reaction is, is, you know, God bless the Hollywood Reporter as much as I love them, but they they have that and they have that series every year of 
of anonymous Academy voters filling in there. And you, you read like directors and producers and people who are in our industry who don't, who didn't understand the difference between the two awards, which I'm, I'm sure must have been very frustrating for you. I'll tell you, the, that was a huge motivator for me. Uh, you know, the Sunday before the Oscars, when you'd look and inevitably someone would say, I don't vote for sound because I don't know the difference between the awards. Right. So, you know, if there was a way to like simplify that, um, uh, this certainly, you know, by us being together, there's no denying what you see, what, you know, what you're hearing is what the, you know, combined effect is of this team. We also need to um, sort of um, open the curtain on what it is that we do and use this, maybe use this combining the award to uh, put our best foot forward and start celebrating sound. And, you know, we, we have been in a discussion to maybe bring back some form of a bake, bake off or celebration of sound where we can show our best work. And I think, I think that would help educate and help show people what they're, you know, what they're looking at, what they're hearing. Well, I, I give a, I give big applause for that idea. I, I, uh, you know, Terry, you mentioned that for, for, you know, up until, I don't know, a couple of 15 years or so ago that sound editing was a special achievement award. And so uh, for the people in our, and listening to the show who don't know necessarily what that meant, uh, part of it, it, not necessarily being awarded every year was there was a bake-off. And so the bake-off was one of the, for me, one of the most fun nights of the year where there were, I think a, a long list of maybe seven or eight films that were invited to participate in each one of those films, put together a 10 minute reel. And you go to the Goldwyn theater at the Academy and they would play their reel. And, and it was, first of all, it's, it was the only night of community for our entire business in Los Angeles to get together and hear each other's work. And the bar at Kate Mantellini was always really hopping afterwards. And I really, <laughs> I really, I really missed that. So I would be very much in favor of bringing back the bake off. We all yeah. have fond memories of yeah. those times. Everybody. But overlay yeah. with that, that we're now, you know, the Academy's made great strides and we're now an international organization. And so it's very difficult to, basically lock this down to one night. Now, the Academy has also made great strides in conducting events that are international simultaneously. And, and uh, they will have theaters in multiple, ven in multiple countries running the same information at the same time. We pick, you know, times that work. And uh, so the tools are being developed to make this be possible. And I think it's not off the table. I think, I think it's, you know, it's being considered and uh, exactly what the form of it is, is, is yet to be figured out, but uh, it's, it could happen. It's quite different than what the bake off was uh, 15 years ago. It, is. it was just sound editing. Um, there was a limit on who was voting for that. Uh, you had to be present to do it. So we have to sort of work through the kinks in order to get this back up and rolling. But I, I'm, I really believe that we need to do something that celebrates what we do because I think um, I, I have taken, I've said this a, a bunch of times every year they do have 
a bake-off in other categories. They have it in visual effects and in hair and makeup. And I learn every time I go to this and appreciate a craft that I knew nothing about um, by witnessing it. And it's, you can, a bake-off can reach students and general public, other academy members, um, so that they're more aware of what goes on behind the scenes. Because, yeah, just, just the simple idea that there's a misnomer among people that sound happens out of the camera. <laughs> you don't realize that I could be on a picture from anywhere from two weeks to a year working on a soundtrack. And for, for people to understand that there is enough work to make that happen, we have to celebrate our craft some way. Tell us how the process works and how, how, do, um, how are the Academy Award nominees for sound selected? Uh, basically, there's there's a uh, uh, it goes out to the membership, and the membership votes on the nominees. The membership of the Sound Branch. Yes, yeah, and those they they come up with the nominees, for, and ultimately everybody will vote on it for for the ultimate award. And the whole the whole um, academy does, but yeah, it's it's films they get out. Um, you know. It, as we all know, the films that, and one of the things, I'll backtrack as well, but one of the things that we're facing right now that's a little bit of a challenge is how we're seeing films. In one sense, it's perhaps uh, easier for people to see films at home, but maybe more difficult for them to judge as well the work. Um, but uh, this year is going to be unique, and, and uh, but it does happen by way of just uh, a, a vote by branches. So... What are you, uh, so as, you know, members of the sound branch, obviously you're, you're listening to films and, and evaluating. So the members of the sound branch, what are you listening for when you listen to films and what, it, what, what gets your attention and makes you think, ah, this should be recognized with a nomination for, uh, for sound? It's a really broad question. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, on, on some levels, there's, there's many different ways to uh, a, attack a sound job in terms of telling a dramatic story. So I think we look for things and approaches that might be a little bit unconventional and different because that, that exposes the craft that is, when it's doing its best job, completely invisible because it's taking you through the story and it's telling the story in a way that you don't notice it. But there are certain uh, things that can be done with sound stylistically and uh, by choosing, you know, stylistically, you could choose a sound that is not real, that doesn't apply to the subject matter but apply it in a creative way. All of these things are different tools that, that we use in our craft to tell a story. And so those are the kinds of things that get your attention out of right, right out of the gate. And then you look, you look at several different other aspects. You look at how the sounds are blended and, and how the story is enhanced by 
that mix and how it takes you through. If, if something jumps out of the mix, it takes you out of the story. So all of these things, and honestly, I've been doing this so long, it's a little hard to sort of enumerate what the steps are because it's it's a very cerebral thing as i'm sure you know too but there's certain things that you look for and those are some of the things that i look for it's also it's creativity it's challenges it's you know something that doesn't exist perhaps i I think uh to to clarify it's not always the big noisy film it's you know there's there's certain merit in a quiet dialogue piece or or something that where you can understand all the words where you can um where you're not pulled out of the drama of the moment it depends on you know what films come out every year but it's it's normally the films that that answer a challenge you know that that sort of represent something bigger than what it, you know normally what it is and i think um it, it changes every year it's sure uh, it's scott, yeah, I, scott what are you what are you listening for you know i like things that uh, aren't necessarily literal you know i like the idea of manipulating the audience in ways that they don't realize sound is manipulating them emotionally um you know it's easy to see a gun and hear a gun um but how that actually fits into the storytelling, into the rhythm of the storytelling, into the timing of, you know, the the uh, performances, uh, atmospheres, things that you might expect will be there um, if they disappear. Um, people don't realize they're gone, but they feel different. They don't know why it's different. There's, there's all these nuances of, you know, what you add and what you take away. Um, you know, it's not, like I said, it's not difficult to see a gun, hear it, or a door close, or someone's lips moving um, to hear their voice. It's all the intent of how to tell the story, how to emotionally move the uh, viewer to get closer and closer engaged with the storytelling. That's the fun. So yeah. I know it's a, it's a cliche that it's you know i think that the cliche is is it's an honor to be nominated but really in a sense that's almost where the honor comes from because the nomination is coming from your peers in the sound branch um and then you know once the five movies get nominated for best sound then the voting for the actual statues and the winner of the academy award is done by the general membership of the academy i have that that's right all the branches yes. all the branches so you've got actors and directors and hairstylists and publicists and executives voting for sound so that's 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 interesting what do you what, what does that cause issues when when sort of non-professionals are then kind of making judgments about about sound and film well i would like to think that people take the same responsibility that they you know you would research and know what went into it i I don't like to vote for something that i don't totally understand so i would make an effort to to understand the process of what you know some other craft is done um, like I said, hair and makeup or, or costumes or visual effects. You, know, you have to make an effort to, to understand the various different awards categories too. 
You know, yes, it is frustrating when it goes out to the entire branch and people maybe don't understand the process of, you know, what individuals go through to make that happen. Right. There's not much you can do about it except make an effort to learn. I'd like to think that most of the other members take the same, you know, uh, responsibility that we do. And, and for instance, if I have not been able to see for whatever reason, the bulk of the films that are nominated for a particular category, I, I will lay off and not vote that year because you skip, you skip that category. I skip that category because I, I just think it's, it's, it's disrespectful to all of the people involved to be an uninformed voter. And I just won't do it. Hmm. You know, and then I, I, you know, not to contradict at all, but you know, I may not know exactly the cinematographer, how he did it and what lens he did used. But, you know, when I watch a Roger Deakins film, I'm usually wowed. I mean, there's something about his creative sensibilities that engage me. So that's something that's kind of, um, tactile to me as well. So I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't understand the processes, but I can appreciate uh, uh, an actor's performance or, you know, someone that I, I uh, didn't watch do it, um, get to a point, point in a place in a performance or in a, in a capturing of something that I will, I will be uh, emotionally moved by it. And, and I, I think that's a tactile thing that, you know, we're all really basically audiences. And what is it that we enjoy? It may be different, um, but, you know, I think it's a personal thing, but um, I think that's what we have to rely upon is our creative sensibilities to what it is that, that we're drawn to. I, I totally agree with that. And just to clarify, I'm just saying that there's a lot of films to view. And on some of these categories, if I don't see all of the films that are involved in a category, I don't feel I can make an informed judgment because I haven't been exposed to them. And so I haven't had a chance to be wowed by them or, you know, drawn in. So that's just the way I work. And I would like to think that most of the Academy members vote that way too. Well, I'm curious to get your thoughts on why our award is so hard for people to predict or to wrap their heads around. And and maybe a way to, to kind of ask that question is, what do you think we can be doing as an industry to better educate non-sound people about the work that we do? It's a good question. I, I think education is certainly the key. And there have been attempts to, and I, I really hope that the museum provides a, a platform for that to happen. And uh, the, the way it's coming together and the way the direction that it's moving, we as a branch will get to, uh, you know, basically recommend some films for a film series and then provide people to speak after that series. And I think the public has a great opportunity to come and participate in that. And they can learn an awful lot about what we do. And, uh, you know, after all three of us uh, term out as governors, we'll still have more than enough time to spend at the museum contributing to the mission of the Academy. So I, I think I think that's one really big way. I also think that because the, everything is virtual now, doing more panels and doing more um, educational uh, studies, you know, even if it's 
individual um, subjects. You know, I've uh, like I said, I've I've gotten great um, feedback from doing a panel discussion where I'm open to a group of kids who, are, you know, they want to know what we do. So I think more of that in any way, shape, or form is is a great thing. Absolutely. But I'm, I think it's amazing, you know, obviously the three of you represent uh, very different parts of our business. And so I think it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great sort of cross-representation of, of discipline. So how did you become governors of the Sound Branch? Were, were you elected to these positions? How does that work? Go ahead, Terry. No, I was just going to say, yes, you are elected to uh, to this position, it's an honor to be a, a governor. Um, they, it, up until this year, there were you could be a governor for um, three three year terms, but a total of nine years. Um, we just recently changed that to six, but um, it it's not that easy <laughs> to be elected. I mean it. it it's the entire branch that votes on you. You opt in for this position, and um, every year our branch is 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 different than the rest of them because we do have three distinct um, divisions. So it is a recording mixer, a, a sound editor, and an other, which includes engineering and or department heads, um, for that position. So um, basically, it. it you know, at the end of a three-year term, you, it goes out to the sound branch that you can opt in to to be a governor, and then you're voted on. We were all lucky enough to be uh, elected, and it, they couldn't have picked a more perfect three. So, <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about your what are your responsibilities as governors of the sound branch. Well, we're involved with, uh, we have a committee, an executive committee that we, we gather and, and we meet with and go over the daily or the routinely sort of things that we might deal with, like rules about our awards. Um, that committee, you know, was the one that we started the discussion with in regards to, should we be combining our award now? Is it the time for us to do that? So we have routine meetings and uh, some of the things are just, annual things to look at like rules and some are major issues that we have to address and we've we've approached quite a few major uh issues in the last few years uh when i was able to get into the academy at that point in time um i was uh, intimidated to actually even consider myself uh worthy and i didn't uh i think i had actually been nominated a couple of times, maybe won an Oscar, and I was still reluctant to look to see if it was a prospect for me. And at that point in time, they would they were you know real hard rules where annually they would adjust how many people you could have come. There might be six people who would be uh, invited a year, and now as Terry mentioned, and there are, you know often we have quite a few uh, come in in a year that are qualified people who. Um, have been underrepresented, whatever it might be, and we, you know we don't have these mandates on us, so it's it definitely given us a lot of freedom, positively. But but stepping, I would say broadly, also, I mean, we represent 
the sound branch. We represent our members, but then we also serve on a committee that is involved with some aspect of running the Academy. And a lot of people think the Academy is all about the Academy Awards, but in fact, the Academy is a nonprofit and we're all about education and advancing the appreciation for the arts and sciences of motion pictures. So there's a lot of other stuff that goes on. There's a lot of other programs. And, uh, and so we get involved in that. The Academy is getting ready to open a museum. So one of the areas that I've been assigned to is on, on the museum committee. And uh, it's very exciting. I'm glad you brought up the, um, the Academy Museum because there's some really exciting plans. You talk about education and uh, there's the, the, the Shirley Temple Education Center at the museum, I think is going to be a great kind of teaching space for cinematic arts. And so uh, the work there is really, really, it's, it's very important. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. There's a lot of programs connected to the Academy that people are actually not aware of. I mean, I think more of the members need to search the the um, academy website because of the various different committees that that there are, the various different activities that that happen. That you know, being a member of the academy, you you have access to not only in the screening room, but but other things as well. That you know, you get the more you get involved, the more you get out of it. And like Kevin said, as a governor, we're responsible to be on other committees. I'm on education and outreach in general, um, which is kind of exciting because it's it's reaching out to colleges and high schools and kids. You know, you talk about diversity. I, I believe that some of the diversity is going to be answered in reaching to students and, you know, you know, as far as sound is concerned, sort of introducing them to something that I love doing, you know, as far as, you know, what kind of careers there are in the entertainment industry in sound and all of that, you know, there's a portion of the academy that will deal with that. Not only do they have the Academy <clears throat> Gold program, which they, uh, the academy in general is, is, is they pick a certain number of uh, uh, students that are coming from colleges and give them an internship and a fast track into all of the branches um, and you know motion pictures, which is fantastic. So through the gold program, through the museum, there's all kind of ways to reach um, students and people that might be interested in getting into film. The, the responsibilities of being a governor, it's not just the Academy Awards, like Kevin was saying, we're there, you know, there, when I first joined, we had 14 meetings of Board of Governors meetings. And some of those meetings take a long time because there's, there's, there's decisions that are made and there's, there's um, presentations that we have to handle and things, uh, the workings at the academy are sort of in the governor's hands, which is, it's quite interesting. It's just, it's not as easy as you might think. And that's the great secret that they keep because a lot of people that would envision themselves as governors don't know how much work it is. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. 
Kevin, you you brought up an interesting topic, which is um, the 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 international profile for the academy and 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 for the films, and and I I, I am sensitive to the criticism that it's American movies and specifically Los Angeles, you know, New York and 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 Northern California movies that get the bulk of the attention and the nominations. And there's a tremendous amount of really brilliant work that's being done outside the United States. I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, Parasite, uh, Bong Joon-ho's film just had extraordinary sound design and a wonderful mix. And, and so I, I wonder, you know, what what are your thoughts on trying to make sure that some of that really great work from outside the United States gets, States gets, gets rec recognized uh, uh, by the sound branch? I think uh, the main thing is to, and we've done this over the last, I would say, you know, five, six years for sure, uh, a real attempt to look at those locations and find uh, people that deserve to be in the academy, people that are of the level of achievement that uh, they should be members. And by planting members in those places, we increase our exposure and we increase the capability for more people to see the work that's done internationally in the world. I, I think it's, it's a very strong uh, way for us to increase our footprint. Uh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It also There's been a great deal of effort applied to that and, and we're starting to see the results. I noticed some of it coming out of, out of membership because when we um, we had a new group of people coming in last year and we had a, a virtual uh, meeting of new members and, and I realized that all these, we had some people from in, uh, I think in Saudi Arabia, we had someone from Paris, we had someone in England and you realize you're speaking the same language. You might not be literally speaking the same way because <laughs> you're doing it in what you do. They understand exactly what we're talking about because they've been doing it too. So there's, there's so much coming out of the, the expansion of the Academy and, and bringing people in from other countries and recognizing their work. So I think Kevin's right. That's yeah. where it's speaking for myself and I, I know for a lot of, people in our business. I'm coming up on a year since the last time I had a chance to watch a movie in a proper cinema. Uh, we've been watching a lot of stuff at home and I, I, I'm fortunate to have a pretty, a pretty good home theater system, but I know that a lot of people don't. This is going to be a really interesting year for the Academy Awards and, and I think specifically for the Sound Award. And I, I'm, I'm just curious, what effect uh, do, you, do you anticipate this, uh, you know, this coronavirus era this year is going to have on the way people the people perceive, you know, a good sounding film. It's, yeah. it's a really good question. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to have a really good answer for you, Glenn. I think, you know, um, it's a little bit like uh, mixing music. So back in the day when you were mixing music, you mixed music on the big monitors first and then you took your mix on a cassette tape out to the car or you played it on the Oratones or whatever it is. I'd like to think that what we do has uh, been treated in a way that the intent will come across 
whether you're listening on a home system that's, you know, average or whether you're listening to it in a cinema. And I realize this is just very pie in the sky, but I think there is an element that potentially can transcend what what it's being played on. And hopefully that'll come through. But your your question's a good one, and it's something that we all think about and probably toss and turn at night a little bit over uh, because this is going to be a different year. Yeah. You know, it's hard not to be distracted when you're sitting there watching in your home. As good a home theater as you have, I have a decent one as well. But if the phone rings or someone walks through the room or something, there are distractions. And there's also something about that shared experience about sitting next to people who haven't seen a film and share what happens, you know, emotionally, whether it be a comedy or a mystery or a thriller, you, you can feel it in the room. And, you know, that's one of the things that I miss terribly is that shared experience. I agree. I agree too. I think that's absolutely right. We, 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 we mentioned Parasite earlier and I have really strong uh, memories of the first time at a film festival watching that screen, you know, watching that film with an audience and nobody knowing what was going to happen and then having that experience of watching it unfold. And, you know, you take a journey together. It's really, it's really important. So fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait to get back to a theater soon. All of us. Yep. Yeah. Right there with you. Yeah. Well, I really want to thank the three of you for taking the time uh, to come on to the podcast and kind of, uh, explaining to us a little bit about the, how the uh, the sound branch at the academy works and your 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 work as as governors. Uh, I know you're quite busy. We're we're coming up on awards time, and and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Kevin and Terry and Scott. Thanks once again for for coming and spending a few minutes and talking to us about the important work that you're doing. Thanks, thank Glenn. you. It's thank a you pleasure. very much. I want to thank Terry Dorman, Kevin Collier, and Scott Milan for joining us today. This is just the beginning of our 2021 Oscars coverage. We have some really exciting episodes coming up. In the next few weeks, we're going to be doing deep dives into three of the Academy's trickiest categories to predict. Best Sound, Best Cinematography, and Best Animated Feature. Sound and Image Lab will be devoting a full episode to each of those awards with clips and interviews with all the nominees. So whether you're an Academy voter or you just want to do a little bit better, in your annual office pool, you will get the inside scoop on how to fill out your Oscar ballot. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our new dedicated podcast feed, which you can find via the link in our show notes or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Dolby. If you enjoyed the series, please consider leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. It really helps raise awareness for the series and helps us continue to grow. Thank you for joining us. This has been Sound and Image Lab, the Dolby Institute podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. The producer and editor of the show is Michael Coleman. Our executive producers are Amanda Schneider and Jack Ferry. Production support is by Taylor Hines. And our Dolby Institute intern is Tristan Enriquez. Thank you for listening.